ladies, gentlemen, or what have you, I'm Orion Lavelle. I'm Travis Mattingly. And you're listening to Tooth and Nail, a monstrous podcast, where today I hope I have the audio things fixed, I feel like, because <laughs> we were talking about demons, and that was a mess, and then we did the, we did the special guest episode, and that uh, had some, some behind-the-scenes struggles. <laughs> And so I'm hoping, and I'm I'm praying, and I'm sacrificing blood to the demon lords that uh, this time the audio will check out. Yeah, I think it'll be fine. Yeah, hopefully. I won't even touch anything this time, yeah. and we'll just see what happens. We'll just all agree. We'll put ourselves in little Houdini boxes so we can't <laughs> touch anything or mess with anything, and then hopefully everything will decide to work by itself, and then things will be good. God help us. And we'll make a billion dollars. <laughs> Yeah, we're talking about Kazmis today. We're yeah. talking about Kazmis, which are like just fly dudes. They're fly boys, but not in the not in the fifties wartime sense. They're just actual <laughs> fly men, like in the Jeff Goldblum sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's some there's some bloomies. They're they're the old the bloomsters. Uh, they're demons. Which I mean, like see the the whole ass demon lore episode for all of the thing that that entails. Uh, these guys are interesting uh i would say that they are like debuffer kind of enemies um but like aggressively debuffers like they're the debuffers for a demon yeah for sure they <laughs> at the very least they're supposed to be startling enough that they can get to debuff you exactly yeah yeah it's it's like a like a it's like a blitzkrieg debuff it's very <laughs> cool it's very appropriate for the kind of monster that it is it like if you had you know if you locked me in a little houdini box and said i couldn't come out until i came up with a a demon that could debuff but still has the demon's mindset i feel like this is what i would throw at you and i, I think in that regard it is kind of a successful interesting cool monster even if as is the refrain for this however long we do this period the lore stuff is a little lacking right yeah and uh, we, yeah, we, we don't have a whole lot of lore from this edition. We may touch on some older stuff yeah, just to fill the space. Yeah, if only because <laughs> the old designs are amazing. You can't hear, but we're nodding into the yeah, microphone. Heavy nods. Mm. I could I could get closer and like brush my nose on yeah. it. You'd be able to hear, but <laughs> bet you that sounded bad. Um, but yeah, they're they're cool. They're hard hitting. Uh, the design is quite interesting. And so, if there's nothing more you want to say right now, any little any little <laughs> any little tips? Any like you got like what's going on? I don't know. What's Do I got on? any tips? <laughs> <laughs> you got some tips? Who's gonna? Who should I bet on? The Broncos? Or the Patriots? The Broncos, I guess. There no, you go. <laughs> no. So in terms of the art that we get, look at this guy. Look at this cartoon boy. I love him. He's like a weird looking. He's got like the he looks like he's got the silhouette of a cartoon mosquito. It's oh, very sure. silly. It's super. He's got like this very angry like ridge and then like that fringe cut is just <laughs> really silly and awesome. It very it it looks very dramatic and stylized and like cartoonish is the best word I can come up for it. Basically, it does it looks like a a very angry mosquito with a very exaggerated, like, mosquito proboscis. It, it's almost a horn, it looks like. Yeah, it pretty much, yeah. They just kind of slapped a dunce cap on his face. It's like a feeding thing that you would put on a horse, but it's <laughs> deadly. Uh, it's it's blue. It's got, like, the segmented, it's very exaggerated uh, insect exoskeleton. It kind of looks like plate armor, which is cool and appropriate for this, you know, generally 
medieval theme war game. In addition to that, it's got its four little insect legs. It's got two little insect arms. It's got four little tiny thin wings. It's got like just again the strangest fringe cut that I can imagine. Yeah. It's like wavy and beautiful. Like it looks like immaculately quaffed. I was deciding on whether or not it was like a quaff to the side fringe cut or like one of those, uh, like almost like a widow's peak blowback. Yeah, or like I... possibly even like a horse mane. We are only getting like the side of it, so it looks a little bit thicker than a mane, but... Yeah, it's. I, I was trying to find something else to say about the art for this one, but like it's big bug. It has sort of humanoid body proportions until you get to that thick butt yeah yeah that's that's quite a wide load going on in the back of that bug i i yeah i think you're right i think that you know in a more ideal situation where you're creating a monster that draws from insectoid horror there's probably they probably could have gotten more into like the anatomical weirdness of a bug's physiology so like they probably could have thrown on like antennae and uh, like segmented eyes, that whole kind of thing. In fact, it's kind of it. The eyes on this creature is very weird. It's like hollowed out like like a ridge. There's like maybe it's got beady little eyes. It looks like middle. it has like one big glassy eye on either side of its head in that like capped ridge. Yeah, there's like it's a, got like a, a shiny blue thing in this crater on the side of its head. It's very interesting. <laughs> I almost wish nothing was there. It kind of gives me like a Guillermo del Toro kind of vibe. Yeah. Like, yeah, kind of like bit. like hollowed areas without eyes feels very that to me that kind of surrealist monster design i kind of like it and in fact when i like unfocus my eyes and not read the angry brow is angry and instead just kind of like passive like if i if i read the the top of its skull is the oh, like the top yeah. of its brow yeah. it kind of has this cool passive like just like creature guillermo del toro kind of look how you know most of those monsters have like a blank expression yeah kind of like blank like, or like vaguely surprised kind of yeah. look to him it's kind of cool like i can imagine this fighting hellboy <laughs> hey i kind of like it when i unfocus my eyes and look at it like that for like a demon i kind of wish they had leaned one way or the other more heavily like one way into the insectoid horror or the other way into the half human half bug exactly exactly <laughs> and that is a pretty good segue into the earlier designs of these kind of things which are usually just like a real dark souls ass this is a bug with a human head oh yeah kind of thing uh third edition was kind of weird but like if you go back into second and first edition stuff it is very much just like it reminds me of the locusts from dark Dark Souls 3, where it's just like, yep, that's an insect with a human face. <laughs> just has grandpa face on a big bug. Exactly. Grandpa face on a big bug. And it is that very, like, it does feel like traditionally mythological in kind of a cool way. Like it does, Hannah. That kind of design does feel like it could be in a Renaissance paint of hell, right? Yeah. So it's appropriate to the theme of this ancient kind of demon creature. Yeah, the third edition is really weird. Yeah, I... third edition's weird. And this, you know, this is mostly fifth edition stuff, but like the third edition, it's just like a real wrinkly, like, or fourth edition, uh, yeah, was it? Fourth yeah, fourth edition. That's fourth yeah. edition, yeah. So, All right. Fourth edition is like, just like a mole bug. Yeah, he does look way more like a mole than anything else. Yeah, it's like, like, this is an anteater bug. really quickly flapping wings and like some dangly malformed legs it's kind of interesting <laughs> i think that was all of a single kind of art style like i think all of the d and i actually don't know better i probably shouldn't even say this 
but I feel like all of the demons in fourth edition had that like single palette, like all one kind of body shape thing. Yeah, everything was real fleshy. Yeah, everything's fleshy and like unified within itself. Like you'll never have in fourth edition uh, 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 emo fringe peeking out of a head it's all like this is the one color thing and every the entire skin has texture to it and it's all very like internally consistent within a single monster yeah in a very particular way that is kind of cool like someday maybe we should go back and talk about fourth edition monster design maybe broadly yeah and like uh, that's not necessarily speaking for all the fourth it's just all of fourth we've seen yeah <laughs> that's just the sense i get i don't it's been a while since i played 4e uh, and looked at a 4e book, but from what I can remember, that seems to be kind of the case. But yeah, in terms of the lore that we get, we learned that these are fly monsters. Yep. And their buzzes, instead of just sounding really annoying, their buzzes work basically kind of like a sleeping spell, kind of like the Quaddle's Bite, where basically anything that's not a demon that hears this drone passes out. Supposedly within the demon hierarchy, it's not really hierarchy, but within the demon culture, they work like interrogators or like managers, and they are often like called upon to spot out deserters or traitors within the demon horde. And they will find in the stat block that they do have a lot of stuff that is geared towards spotting things. They are good watchmen. Furthermore, they're they're said to be super into torturing things, and they like being interrogators for that reason, so that they can dish out evil bad person things onto evil bad person demons without any fear of reprisal or getting the crap knocked out of them. Yeah. Which seems like, again, kind of short-sighted, like every single demon lives forever. I feel yeah. like even the the Kazmi should be like, oh, I probably shouldn't go <laughs> super hard on this thing. That could probably be my boss in two or three centuries. Uh, but again, it is that kind of like everything's everything's just writhing around killing each other in the abyss. Yeah, like odds are if the Kazmi is interrogating something, it'll probably get killed anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Probably that's probably just like what they're like. They're like, I'll torture it until it dies, and then I'll get something else. Yeah, and this is kind of an interesting lore sticking point that I don't think was particularly elucidated. When a demon dies in the abyss to another demon, it, they... They should just die, right? They, they should just, just die, right? just if they right? die like in the abyss, I think, is what it... Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. If you have an amulet, you can come back. If you die in the material plane, you get ported back into the abyss. And if you die, if you die, in, die in the abyss, abyss you die. Dead. Okay. You die in real okay. life. <laughs> okay, so that's, so in which case, belay that remark, torture it up, fly boy, <laughs> live your best life, your most torturey life. Um, the idea of these guys as investigators, it really does make me want like a, like a demon detective, like, you know, I'm gonna roll up, this is me, I'm a Kazmi, this is my best friend, the Dretch, we got Sherlock our, Holmes hat. yeah, we got our Baylor boss and we're going out solving <laughs> hell crimes. The Baylor investigator Yeah, just... turn in your horn, Kazmi. <laughs> ah, Boss Baylor is really busting my butt. That was, whoa, that was yeah. a lot of alliteration. Absolutely. That's what you're here for. Um, moreover, like the idea of uh, demon jail really makes me want like a demon Count of Monte Cristo kind of thing where like secretly this, this de- you know, it's a Baylor. They get knocked down to Dretch or Manes or whatever the fuck. And then they, you know, slowly build up under this new identity. Like, I like this idea of the the single lawn gaming demon <laughs> that does a whole Count of Monte Cristo. I think that would be kind of a fun, cool little sub-story. Tangentially, thinking about demon jails kind of makes me wish there was, like, a supplement book about how prison systems work in all of the extra planar yeah. spaces. Just because I would love to see the Nine Hells prison and the Abyssal prison 
it's got to be real buck wild in there. Yeah, I'm imagining it's just like, well, like, the Nine Hells is just like slavery, right? Like, if you fuck up the Nine Hells, you get demoted to just like horse for the rest of time. (laughs) Whereas if you fuck up in the demon world, I'm sure they just have like the weird, gross, wet pit. Everywhere's the pit. Yeah, well, like, yeah, but like a specifically just very wet hole that uh, this flyboy stabs you in for the rest of time. But yeah, that is just about everything we get for lore for these guys. Again, this is the refrain of the season. Um, Are there any cool, like, demon lore stuff? Like, this would be a fun summoning encounter. Like, if the party were to summon in this creature, this is, again, their drone makes non-demons pass out. So I love the idea of, like, we're going to summon in this demon and he's going to be our best friend or else. And then he comes in and everybody passes out and wake up (laughs) 10 minutes later with no idea of what happened. One of the things I feel like we failed to mention when describing how it looks, too, is that it is a large creature. It's like nine feet. Yeah, yeah. It's like a nine foot tall fly. Yeah, quite a big (laughs) fly. Like, as flies go, incredibly big. I just realized I said, like, humanoid fly, so I had like, oh, five foot. It's like, that's pretty big. But no, it's like twice No, even bigger than that, yeah. Yeah. Imagine the biggest fly you could think of. Then double it. Double it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, can you just imagine, like, all right, this intense demon summoning, sir, we're going to do it. We're going to get the biggest, most powerful thing. And then it's just like... Roll save, pass out. <laughs> Will save, pass out. It's just this 10-foot fly monster that's just like... Standing there really <laughs> mad, just like poking poke, at him. Poking butts yeah. with proboscis. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be quite cool and interesting. I don't know, are there any like amulet stuff? Like, I don't know, I think that's the best, coolest extrapolation I can think of. With yeah, I don't think that any Kazmi could be strong enough to have like an amulet thing. No, I mean like, uh, whatever. Uh, I'm sure there's always a fun little B-plot you could do with any of these demons where it's just like oh the shitty thing you don't expect to have a horcrux has a horcrux (laughs) Uh, but but yeah for the most part i think that is at least that that's the best thing i've got for for all the lore combined so like after they torture or find and kill whatever it is they're going to do they do do some proboscising Mm -hmm. yes yes uh and if that is the thing if they like kill somebody with their proboscis by sucking whatever out of them. Uh, The description given is that anything killed like that deflates like a balloon <laughs> just the yeah just like po- like balor just a big balor just <laughs> and then it flies in the sky like team rocket <laughs> yeah that would be quite good that's so i don't know i imagine it i it's real old school D stupid yeah like, I, <laughs> I i'm imagining the spirit of the rules is that it looks like it looks like fucking Christ God tried my soul, but it looks like Jojo when you get <laughs> eaten by a vampire in Jojo and you just like, yeah. your body just, you know, deflates in that regard. And of course, this happens in a lot of things, but, yeah. you know, I just found out about Jojo last night, so this is where I'm coming from. <laughs> uh, but yes, I also quite like the idea of it just <laughs> in a more high flying D&D scenario or it just poops out into the sky. Yeah, that's that's like the only other uh non-mechanically interesting thing i can find about them from old editions yeah yeah so do demon stuff this could be an interesting way to showcase some of the minor uh you know we talked about this with bargaras a bit the the minor intrigue stuff that you can kind of do with demon culture where you know obviously this is a torturer kind of creature it reports it commands uh, so you can use this to highlight the the shittiness of demon culture if you so choose um but beyond that i i guess you can know 
Uh, and I guess I, well, whatever. I'll talk about this when we get into the more hard encounter stuff at the end of the episode. Uh, so for now, let's talk about some mechanical stuff. So mechanically, these boys, they are a large fiend, capital L, capital F. They are chaotic, even in alignment, you know, demon stuff. They have a middle of the road CR challenge rating of six with an average for its CR AC of 15 and a pretty comparably small HP of 84, which like I'm, I'm noticing is also, or it seems to be kind of a trait of demons as well, kind of a small HP. Like this was true with the Baylor. They had less HP than I thought they would have. This was true of the Bargarov. Both of those things kind of felt like they were built for quick encounters, like quick and dirty, brutal encounters. And I think this is a design ethos with demons writ large. It seems like they're kind of squishier, but can do shittier things to compensate. I imagine that it also has something like in the same vein, like they're built that way with the immunities and resistances they yeah. have. So like, yeah, and we'll find this to be true as well. Like there is some stuff with the Casme that complicates that shit in a really shitty way that I really wish they hadn't done. <laughs> uh, but it, it does seem I like it on paper. Like the Casme is different because of some shit we'll get into in a minute. Uh, I like this, generally speaking, as a demon trade of like, these are meant to be faster, deadlier encounters, Yeah, which is kind of more what I like out of a D&D combat anyway. Um, so, so yeah, good. And this is, you know, also particularly true. It is kind of fine that the Kazmi does have less HP because the thing that it can do hits pretty fucking hard. So I think this is, you know, the Kazmi does get more dangerous the longer the fight gets o goes on. So I think it is better for it to be a little bit squishier. They have a slower run speed of 20 feet, which is fine and normal for a flying creature since it has a pretty, well, about average fly speed of 60 feet. It's a little bit above average. Their stats, their attributes, they're pretty tame across the board. Usually, you know, we get into celestial stuff and they're crazy. This guy is pretty average. It's got a little bit of above average dex, strength, and wisdom. Got a plus one to constitution. It's got average intelligence and charisma. In terms of defensive stuff, they get some saving throw bonuses. Uh, kind of frustratingly, the two saving throw bonuses that it gets are for motherfucking dexterity and wisdom. <laughs> and since these guys are of the, the fine strapping young demon age where they get magic resistance, this means that your spellcasters basically get to do nothing for the entire fight, which like... Except for your sniper, sorcerer, or whatever. But wait, there's more. In addition to all of that shit, they also have resistance to cold fire and lightning damage. In addition to the poison immunity and the poisoned condition immunity. So just spells just ain't gonna do it for you in this fight. Which, like, sucks! Like, at this level, at level 5, level 6, spells still cost a lot at this part of the game. And I... And, like, this just... It can be fine if you want to have a gimmick that kind of, you know, completely subverts what you've come to rely on in a fight. So it's kind of cool when, you know, werewolves have resistance or immunity to non-magical weapons because it's kind of a big deal. My sword does nothing. And I understand what they were going for in that regard. But because a spell slot A costs more and action economy means that all of your casters are just going to sit down. I do anything. Oh, it doesn't work. All right. I'll just wait the next 
20 minutes for my turn to come up. It like Wizards of the Coast, you really want to design an encounter where easily three fourths of your players have nothing to do for the entire fight. I'm trying my damnedest to think of like a cantrip. The only first level spell I can think of is like chromatic orb or magic missile, and that's like it. Yeah, yeah. So like <laughs> have fun casting magic missile. There you go. Yeah. I it feels and especially like since this is a level six encounter, the party relatively recently got all of their really cool spells. I can, I guess there is a way you can spin this where like, you know, the wizard has just spent all of fifth level casting fireball and ending all of the combat encounter and they feel like a god. Let's throw in a Kazmi in to take down their ego a little bit. It just feels a little bit sticky to effectively neutralize what most D&D classes are built to cast spells. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I guess the what I mean to say is unless you have like a paladin or a rogue in your party that can get in and do a lot of damage and make sure that this encounter is relatively quick, I would maybe advise against picking this particular demon. Like if you're if uh, if all of if your whole team is bards and wizards and sorcerers and casters, maybe hold back with the Kazmi because I can see this turning really boring and shitty really quick. Yeah, uh one good thing is that they don't have too high of a strength bonus so like if you have the person in your party you could like entangle them or something yeah so yeah that sort of helps end the fight faster right yeah Yeah. (laughs) if you happen to have a spell that requires a strength or a charisma save a con i guess Uh. yeah it's not so bad but again like this is going to ruin most of your debuffers and most of your blast casters which are most of casters yeah so so not my favorite it gets a bonus to perception, reinforcing its role as a scout. Moreover, it's got blind sight out to 10 feet, which like like an echolocation is how I'm reading it. Like it's listening to its own drone bounce off of walls. Oh, maybe. I, I, I assumed it was like that bug sense. Like it's, it's no, like literally like echoing oh, how flies. If, yeah. you, they, if you get near them, they can just move out of the way That's super right. quick. That's like they can just detect things that are very close to them. That's right. I forget how they do that. I learned about that when I was like 12 and I just forgot about it. Until I don't know the, 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 the real world mechanics. I don't know how it actually happens, but like that, I imagine it's just kind of like a translation of that bugs. Like, yeah, they just know. <laughs> Yo, entomologists at me with that because I'm legitimately interested in how that works. <laughs> in addition to its blind sense, it gets dark vision out to 120 feet. And it also has a pretty good passive perception of 15. So yeah, it's built to detect danger. It's built to be a hell detective. And unless the rogue is super good at their job, good luck trying to do a big backstab on this guy, which uh, is, again, kind of a big deal because the fight will be more dangerous the longer it goes on. So it is more worthwhile for a paladin or a rogue to sneak in and get some some Nova damage early on. It also has the demon standard stuff. It speaks abyssal. It has telepathy out to 120 feet. Yup. Again, this is kind of cool for like, and I get that these guys are constantly making noise. So this could be kind of a fun silent alarm thing where like, oh, dang, did the fly thing see us? No, we're good. And then just a whole bunch of Algaras show up. <laughs> I, I, for a second, considered just like the the telepathic psych out of just in your head suddenly bzzz, <laughs> just bug noises with telepathy. Oh, yeah, that's quite good. That's quite good and horrifying, like the... The, the clacky, like, I feel like, isn't there a, uh, like, amnesia 
has that kind of that video game amnesia the dark yeah. descent it has that like uh it plays with audio in that particular yeah, way and like i think that ambient you know, weird in your head noises that sound sort of like bugs exactly <laughs> exactly and i think you know for for dms who are way into creeping out their players with expressive details like that that could be a fun way to spin that in terms of the traits that it gets its signature trait is drone which is the aforementioned naptime buzz demons are immune to it but anything else that starts its turn within 30 feet of the chasm must succeed on an appropriately small dc12 constitution save or fall unconscious for 10 minutes Yep, mentioned backstabs. This is the other thing that keeps the rogue from just flat out, you know, doing a whole bunch of damage at the beginning of the encounter. Uh, I kind of like love hate it as a twist where, you know, you present this watchdog demon hanging up on top of like a guard tower or something. The rogue sneaks up to try to get a hit off and then it just like falls asleep. <laughs> And the rest of the party doesn't know. I think that could be kind of fun and cool and a, a nice little twist or like a fun like encounter stakes razor, I guess. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> if the creature can't hear, obviously they succeed on the save. And if the creature takes damage, they wake up. And furthermore, if the creature that is unconscious, they get splashed with holy water, they also wake up, which is kind of a weird edge case to account for. Like, I don't know why that was the detail that they pulled, but I bet you it could be like a really cool moment for a paladin or a cleric of some kind to be like, ah, be free, I can do priestly duties and fulfill my fantasy. Yeah, it's sort of interesting to note that from what I can find, the holy water clause is a fifth edition thing. Hmm. It was just splashed with water from what I can tell before. Hmm. <laughs> they just... Yeah, I guess maybe they pared it down specifically to make the divine casters feel a little bit cooler. Um, I also like the idea of this being the, you know, if you have a bunch of witchers in your party that like to research and their homework before they go fight the monster. We gotta this, have our holy water. Exactly. This would be the fun, the fun little Batman witcher detail that you can just, uh, you know, provide the players an, an edge or... Not necessarily an advantage, but a way to help neutralize the encounter using their brains. And as we often see with stuff like this, if a creature saves out of the drone, they're immune to it for 24 hours. So this is like the beginning gambit for the fight. The, the Either the, the team rushes in and passes out or the Kazmi rushes in and ideally, you know, a couple of team members pass out. I, I think it's kind of neat that you just can't shake them awake. It either has to be damage or has to be water. I like it because, you know, it, it raises the stakes a little bit. It does put the DM in this weird, awkward situation where the rogue is like, what do you mean I can't just do one damage to slap them awake and move on? Like, I feel like the, to some extent, maybe the spirit of the rules is the idea that you have to do significant damage to your team. And this is the other way that makes the encounter more difficult or more threatening is the idea that your own teammates are kind of having to take down your HP a little bit in order for you to get up in the fight. Yeah. I think that at level five, it's probably fine. Just the the action waste is enough. Just the the economy waste is punishment enough for falling asleep. Yeah. So I'm I'm mostly fine with just ruling the oh yeah, you slap them awake, take your one damage, move on. Uh and I feel like that is not too 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 big of a hill to die on, right? Like I feel like that is a pretty reasonable thing to say. Yeah, for sure. I think I, I feel like that's probably what they meant, right? Cause like they did design unarmed damage to be pretty much for that reason, you think yeah. that was... Well, I mean, like, that's probably the reason they, they specifically put, like, take damage. It's yeah. like they knew that players would probably be smart enough to, like, not great sword their friend. <laughs> it feels like, to my mind, it kind of feels like the Rorschach test for whether or not your DM's an asshole or not. Like, 
Like oh, if, I, was, I thought you were going to say whether or not your players are like really friendly. <laughs> oh, yeah. The friendship test. That, that as well. In addition to that, I like the idea of like, you know, if the monk tries to slap the fighter awake. <laughs> if your DM's an asshole, they'll say roll full damage. If your DM is a reasonable human being, they'll be like, take your one bludgeoning. <laughs> so if your DM does say roll full damage, leave that shit. They're abusive. Yeah, that sounds that sounds big rough. Yeah. And the monk is like, I can't wake anyone up ever. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys. I guess I'm punching up on this bug. <laughs> the Casmian gets magic resistance, which in this particular case, as I mentioned, commingled with the save buffs and the resistances. Spells just won't work on this guy, and that blows. Like, I feel like there's a better way to treat a, my spells aren't as effective in this fight. And I think the answer for that is just have the magic resistance and only the magic <laughs> resistance or just have the resistance and only the resistance. Uh, Give it saves and stuff that don't matter, like intelligence. Yeah, that could be interesting and cool, but, you know, gauge your reaction. And if your team is all warlocks, don't do that shit. <laughs> the fly thing gets spider climb. Which sounds ironic, but is appropriate. It can climb on walls and ceilings and whatnot. It doesn't got to roll for it. That's fine. Uh, this isn't going to be used for sneaking around. It drones the entire time. It makes a lot of noise. It doesn't have any bonuses for stealth. But, you know, it's 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 theming stuff. The frog gets to jump high. The ball girl gets to climb good. You get it's to walk into a chamber and see a bunch of large flies 200 feet above you crawling around, kind of gross and buzzing on the ceiling. Exactly, exactly. And it could be cool and creepy in that, in that way where, like, you know, it's chasing you and it's climbing up walls in between flying <laughs> up and you could hit that fun like again going back to dark souls 3 the the weird fly things in uh oh uh i think that you could do some some fun gross fly stuff to gross out your players in this demon pit in terms of its actions it only gets one but boy does it get an action <laughs> uh it's called proboscis uh it's got a little bit below average accuracy of plus five which is fair because if it does hit it does quite a bit of things it does oh. <laughs> it does 16 46 plus two piercing damage plus 24 76 necrotic damage for a total of 40 damage which is about average for a creature of its cr but it is a lot to deal in one attack and more importantly the main thing that it does is it does the vampire thing where it targets that take this necrotic damage their hit point maximum is reduced equal to the amount of necrotic damage dealt, which is kind of a shit ton for that kind of attack. Like, I think this is the first. There are a lot of D&D monsters that do this thing where it's like you take necrotic damage and your hit point maximum is reduced. It mostly feels like a mild problem. I've never felt like legitimately afraid of a creature doing this and ruining an encounter, like not necessarily ruining, but just like really messing up some characters. I think this is the first time I've seen a monster do this gimmick and have the necrotic damage feel like an actual or a cr6 just like yeah come with me in your mind yes a sixth level wizard yeah who has maybe a plus zero constitution modifier probably and somehow was by the grace of the gods lucky enough to roll a max hit dice all six levels is almost flat out killed immediately by one attack yeah uh, it's it's quite cool. It's very like risk reward. It's interesting. I mean, like there's always, you know, we often bring this up like, won't somebody please think of the wizard? The answer to that is if you're nervous about that kind of thing, just don't have them eat the wizard. I think that this and this is why it's cool to me that the Kazmi has so little HP. This is the thing that makes the fight very threatening and very chaotic. <laughs> I was trying to, like, do some math in my head real quick. Three successful attacks against, like, a paladin who even has a constitution modifier would kill the paladin. Yeah, yeah, this is, this is, this is a big hitter. Um, it's intense. It's That's, intense. This it is, is intense. probably the most 
Like, normally when we see CR, it's like, oh, that's not really, like, accurate for, like, a team of... This one's pretty... Yeah, I think <laughs> that this actually could fight a team of six players, and if you're being smart about it, this could be a very disastrous encounter. I think so. Yeah, I... I feel like doing this show has made me less afraid of what players can take just because like, you know, players can take a lot of shit is yeah. really what I'm tr trying to say. Like, I've never... You've seen a lot of players take a lot of shit. <laughs> yeah, and I've seen that it kind of is the design meta for D&D &D to create monsters that put the players in precarious situations early on in the fight, like the Bahir is built to do half of or an entire hit bar of damage in one turn, precisely because I think D&D is designed to be a game where the, the players are reactionary and are reacting to the bad damage that they're getting. Um, so so I, I don't feel horrified in the same way. I just feel like this is another in the long line of like <laughs> Dragon Ball Z fights like, oh shit, this is the guy that can drain my health. Oh no. And I, I feel like that is intense enough without being too horrifying. Our fighter lost six pints of blood. <laughs> there he goes. Get Jojo'd. And again, if you're ever nervous about just flat out killing a character, feel free to have the Kazmi bounce around so that nobody feels too safe at any given time. The fly speed is pretty quick, so you can probably get at pretty much anybody you need to at any given part of the fight. Um, yeah. Again, and, and furthermore... The idea is that the HP maximum reduction, it lasts until the end of a long rest or until the creature is hit with a spell kind of on par with greater restoration, which probably won't happen at this level. But this can, it can also be the setup to a tougher fight if for some reason you want to weaken up a team of adventurers for the boss that you want at the end of the dungeon. Uh, this is also, to my mind, the move that keeps the Kazmi worthwhile for later on in the adventure because the necrotic damage is so much and because the hit point maximum reduction is so bad this is the this feels like a good solid demon choice for when the players are level 16 and you like yeah here have a couple of ball girls what else should i throw in Kazmi feels like a solid choice to keep the encounter horrifying i was gonna say like to make just like if you've got a boss fight that you're like this is pretty challenging if you like throw high level boss yeah, fight yeah that's pretty challenging and you're like i could probably could add something to Casby. that'll make him fucking sweat yeah <laughs> yeah i think that this is a good like this is a fine monster for when it comes up i think that this is a pretty good monster for later on if you want to throw in some ads for something this is a good selection but yeah that is the mechanical stuff for the Casby. in terms of encounter ideas this monster it does kind of have the cadence of a random encounter kind of monster right so this is a guard kind of demon yeah i kind of like i I feel like this is appropriate where, like, if your party is trying to rest inside the demon palace, it feels right to, you know, have one of these guys patrolling around in order to keep the party on their toes. Um, more in line with the lore stuff we get, it would be cool to see one of these guys as a, as a, as a torturer, torturing some deserter demon. I think that it could be kind of cool to have the party come across this, have them fight off the Kazmi. And then decide, you know, maybe they could make an uneasy alliance with the Dretch <laughs> or something. Like, obviously, you know, demons are are evil and chaotic in nature. Do whatever lore stuff you will with that. But it kind it could be kind of cool to have, like, you know, a, a common you, foe, right? If we help you kill the Kazmi, you'll fucking you'll evolve into a better demon. Like, yeah, just yeah. Like... It could be fun if you could like have the. I I feel like if you could barter a demon into service like this, it could not service, but like companionship or alliance yeah. in some particular way. 
it could be kind of like a little side partner for the rest of this dungeon crawl or whatever. Yeah. Moreover, this is uh, a good way to get some insight into demon politics and whatnot. So obviously, if the the demon's being tortured, there's a reason for that. They ask the, the, the tortured demon, what's going on? You can get a good lay of the land. Like, Orcus is making a power play, and I'm <laughs> opposed to Orcus, or I ran from the army or something like that. This could be a good scene for setting up some expositional stuff for what's going on. In terms of the... It started raining, and I apologize for that. It started raining some time ago. I hope you enjoy rain sounds. Lo-fi rain yeah. sounds. <laughs> Podcast to study to. <laughs> In terms of, like, combat flow, this pretty much runs itself. Like, the Kazmi flies into the party, or the party runs in the Kazmi. The drone happens, they pass out, the Kazmi gets its free stab on some party member, or possibly a couple of party members, and then it could turn into kind of a cool, like, uh, <laughs> Travis has been touched by God. What's what's going on in your brain? If it proboscis is someone that passed out, it gets a crit. Yeah. It does 48 necrotic damage and 32 <laughs> regular damage. Oh. Holy shit. <laughs> oh, you're right, aren't you? Holy, it like I was like, yeah, they fall unconscious, it pokes the ones that are unconscious and kills them. <laughs> yeah. Like, Holy shit. <laughs> That's interesting. I I didn't think about crit stuff. Like I yeah. Hmm. <laughs> That's interesting, and that changes this a little bit. It does turn, I think at that point, it kind of turns into almost like a cloaker fight. Yeah, like where... whoever's alive is in charge of protecting the rest now. Exactly, like... like it's a race against time kind of fight where you're trying to slap up whatever party members are in harm's way before the Kazmi can dart in and do a whole bunch of damage. In which case, like, that might be a... A li- well, I guess, you know, you can always just slap them away, take your one damage if you're a good DM, and uh, send them on their way. But I, I, I do think that that is kind of a cool initial, like, again, talking about D&D combat as being reactionary, I do like that as a, uh, you know, th- like, this is a pretty good opening bid for getting the players to be invested and trying to fix the problem that the monster is set up, which is how D&D combat works, more or less. Uh, obviously, like, try not to, like, one-shot. Have uh, Revivify level. on hand. Yeah, like, <laughs> like please, please, please don't kill your ranger or something. Like, yeah, man. Or, or, I mean, whatever, fuck it, kill your ranger. Like, at this point, it is pretty early on in the game, so probably don't just run up in one-shot. Like, if the player's invested and they don't have a side-piece character that they want to try, uh, you probably don't want to one-shot anybody, as is a common point we make in D&D. Um, but I do like this idea of a, like, an Into the Breach style telegraphing thing where, like, you know, John the Ranger passes out, the Kazmi turns and looks at John the Ranger, you have this turn to (laughs) fix up Johnny (laughs) before something bad happens. Yeah. Yeah, that's quite, I can't believe I didn't think about the crit thing. Yeah, it, like, I, this whole time I've been looking at it, like, yeah, that's a lot of damage, but it's just that. And it's like, whoa, whoops. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, at the same, you know, if one of your party members has has a, a side piece, like they got their bard that they want to roll, then this could be... A, <laughs> this is a wake-up. Yeah, like. this is this is the way to, to get your, your party member to play that other character that they want to play. So, <laughs> if somebody comes at you with that, there's that solution. Um, yeah, in addition, you could do a lot of the fun stuff with fly and climb speed, like you could bait party members into precarious positions. So, like, I'm imagining this being on, like, a guard tower pretty high up, so... As always, you know me, I'm a big fan of chasms and pits and things to fall down. 
this could be a good way to bait players into treacherous walkways between guard towers and that whole thing. You could do a big old high up fight. Those are always fun for me. And if you are concerned about the high damage, feel free to play off the Kazmia as just like extremely bloodthirsty, right? So like these are demons. They don't think about the long game usually. They love to torture. So like feel free to have the Kazmi bounce around between party. Like I can imagine a spin of this creature that will that just wants to get at that blood, <laughs> regardless of its well-being. They just yeah. want to get at that blood. So like feel free to have the Kazmi zipping around, take opportunity attacks. If things are going so bad, feel free to play the Kazmi a little bit more like a dumb monster trying to just, you know, suck out some blood. It goes for the biggest, beefiest person because they got the most blood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Uh, no, and like addition to that, you know, like not going for obvious coup yeah. de gras in order to just go for whatever's closest, you know, yeah. feel free. To, yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say is feel free to play a kind of like a dumber animal. Um, yeah, especially especially if you have a Kazmi in the material plane, which is something that, you know, we haven't really been talking about so much about these monsters. Like yeah. what happens if you were to deal with this creature in the material plane versus in the abyss? Obviously, if the players can take it, play them a little bit more conservatively in the abyss where they can die. Obviously, you know, they have the fear of death in the material plane. This is a little bit more acceptable, right? They don't have yeah. to worry about dying. So feel free to play them a little bit stupid. Just go hog wild. Yeah, they don't care about death. Death means nothing to them here. Feel free to <laughs> like, yeah, bounce around, take opportunity attacks. Honestly, I think that I'd really like this guy in the material plane. I'm imagining like a really cool hunt showdown, men in <laughs> black kind of scenario where like, you know, Farmer Joe shows up and is like, shit, a flat killed Farmer Steve. I'm <laughs> oh, hearing some, fuck. Farmer I'm Steve, hearing, yeah, is that rip, ripping pepperoni, Steve. I'm imagining like, you know, the players are like, oh, okay, they go to this farmhouse. It's covered in Steve innards. It's just painted with Steve and all they hear is this buzzing from inside this broken down farmhouse and they go in and it's crawling all over the walls and darting in and out of places. I feel like this could be a really cool, horrific, you know, put the fear of demons in them. Spooky. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this could be a cool set piece kind of thing. And then you don't have to, as the DM, you don't have to worry so hard about the fly speed thing where the Kazmi can just take off and dart in and out. Because if you're in a farmhouse, there's less room for the Kazmi speed to be an issue. That does kind of bring up an interesting point where the kind of like innate horror or terror that comes with dealing with demons is lost in the abyss. Yeah. Because like you're already, you're literally in the abyss. It's like how much scarier can something get? It's a fly monster. I'm in goop land. Exactly. But like when a demon is on your in like a familiar setting, I think that it really helps sell the Yeah. Yeah, it's strange, right? You don't have the context for it. I think that we haven't really been talking about this with demons so much because the last two demons were just a mad ape yeah. and then just a really big badass doom monster. Yeah, and like badass doom monsters on the material plane, done. Whatever, like, yeah. Played. Yeah, that's fine. You, that's just a boss fight. You'll be okay. Uh, I think that this is the first demon that we get that could be creepy and horrifying and put the fear of what a demon can do in the players. Like this, I feel like could be a very, very, very good first demon encounter with some players. It's to really visceral. sell the yeah. This this is the first like visceral one to get yeah. to. Just like there's something about it because yeah. like the big demon monster, it's like hitting you with a sword made of lightning or a whip made of fire. It's like yeah. that's pretty heavy. This one feels like yeah, it real feels... and visceral. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Because you a... know what a mosquito does to you. Exactly, I think that's <laughs> like... what it is. I think, you know, the little bit of playing off of bug fears could, you know, take you long. Yeah. So yeah, this could be this could be a good one. 
So in conclusion, uh, the magic defense is bullshit, uh, even if it could, you know, up the stakes a little bit with uh, especially like, yeah, the 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 magic shit is bullshit. Uh, I like the high stakes mechanical stuff. I think it's scary, um, but I feel like you as the DM could play it safe and it could be yeah. right. Like, I mean, the cleric's not going to be using fireball in it, so it's got they've got <laughs> all of their spell slots to help fix necrotic problems. Yeah. Yeah, I guess uh, that's true. At least keep everybody topped off how little their health bar is at this point. Did you want to in also uh, just talk about how they changed a little bit from the past edition in terms of mechanics? Because it's pretty deep. It's relatively big change. Like, it's a it's really show. Really if you want to talk about it, we can. If there's something really super cool that quick, you're... just something interesting just about like what they used to be. Yeah, they this one, this this version of them plays heavy off of like a fear of insects and like mm. what mosquitoes can do. The old Casmies were just kind of like stereotype powerful demons like oh, they yeah. used to ha- be heavy spellcasters hmm that's interesting whereas this one is in no way a spellcaster i wonder if and i don't know a lot about the mythological or maybe even like biblical roots of this monster uh i think that that could provide some context for where the like why it was suddenly flavored as a bug yeah uh i think that that could provide some context for that it is interesting that they went hard into a different direction and honestly like the the bug stuff of the casmi works for me like i think the bug stuff of the casmi is the coolest thing about the casmi so for sure like, that is what the casmi is streams like streamlines it for sure because before it was like it could use rave enfeeblement and like insect plague it could summon more it could summon other demons including at one point in one edition five cambians <laughs> it could just do that mm-hmm. uh and like it could teleport without error which is an old teleport oh, spell yeah. like it could do a bunch of that and then in like fourth edition or late third edition they had the spell plague where the weave fell apart yeah. in the books and Kazmi, I guess, were on the chopping block for redesigns, and they took away all the magic. Huh. Well, I don't know why they were like, the bugs, those ones. <laughs> in my in my wildest dreams, that is the context for why Kazmi are, like, untouchable by spells, maybe? Yeah, like that, would, that would be good, yeah. Yeah, like, the, the, the reversing of the weave has made the, this thing that is previously very magical into something that is... <laughs> aberrant to magic or like actually not magical yeah not only does it resist magic inherently it's just got like physical barriers against it just through nature just not that's (laughs) that's kind of cool yeah i mean i'm bending over backwards to make this thing that i don't really like work in my mind uh so oh yeah i think on the whole yeah i i it's good it's cartoonish it's good silly not so much silly silly horrifying like it's good it's good guillermo it's some good guillermo right there it's that nice cross reference between something that is terrifying and something that is like strange and surrealist and kind of silly i definitely have flipped a bit on it since we started the episode i was like eh, it's not very good to now i'm like eh, it's a little too deadly like yeah yeah <laughs> it's scarier than i thought yeah uh it's got big bad potential yeah it does yeah keep an eye on this kid he's an up-and-comer <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Tooth and Nail. I hope you enjoyed us talking about this bug boy. 
Uh, <laughs> if you enjoyed it, feel free to leave us a review on any of the places that you have listened to this podcast. Um, and if you're you're sick of listening to us talk about mosquitoes and you're sick of listening to us talk about demons, feel free to check out some other stuff on nerdsmith.org. There is a plethora of things. Their their cup runneth over with stuff for you to sup at. Just like it's like an ice cream cone. It's overflowing. Just look up <laughs> on the cone. Don't let any of that ice cream go to waste. Lick, 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 yeah, lick, there's lick. content falling off the sides. Catch it. Yeah. Bleh. Put it in your <laughs> mouth. In the meantime, what's a good creature comfort for today? Oh, man. Start me out somewhere. I got nothing for this one. I'm, feeling I, I'm like, so grossed out already. Like, take care of your voice. If you're droning on and on like <laughs> I do and like the Casmi does, you're probably, you know, your throat's getting a little bit tight, a little bit sore. Get you some throat coat tea. Uh, get you some nice little tea with honey and lemon. Take it easy. Nice warm liquids help uh, help keep your stuff loose uh, <laughs> and not not so painful. Rest up. Rest up that voice. Yeah. Have a good day. Bye. Mm-hmm.